my favorite story is having someone tell me they have no interest um, in attending, um, either making a very inappropriate comment, sexist comment about how it's not going to be any fun or any good. They're not as good as the men and then getting them courtside seats for them, their family. Um, and they would come and then after the game, they'd be like, oh, my God, that was amazing. That was awesome. I was wrong. I was so entertained. Thanks for tuning in to the Tips from Chips podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Kopp. This week, we'll talk with Samantha Hicks from the Reno Aces, the AAA affiliate of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Samantha will walk us through her career in sales from the NBA, WNBA, USL, and now minor league baseball. All right, Samantha, welcome to the Tips from Chips podcast. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, Nate. Yeah, for sure. It's always good to catch up with Chippewas and, and learn about the fun things that all of us chips are doing in the world and, and kind of highlight a little bit about your career path and how you got to where you are today. Absolutely. Yeah, I got a chance to listen to some of the episodes. You're doing a wonderful job and um, it's pretty cool to see where some of the people that I went to school with are now and um, get to hear their voices and what they're actually doing. Uh, yeah, it's, it's really it's, cool. It's fun. I'm glad someone is listening. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I got really into podcasts during this uh, pandemic, um, as well as the audiobook. So a big fan of both. And, you know, it just gives you um, a chance to hear from other people and what's going on in the outside world. I think pre-COVID, we were all so busy actually physically at work, putting in hours and maybe not as much time to, you know, turn those things on. So Cool. Well, um, I'm looking forward to this. So uh, diving in here, um, you were a business admin major at Central. Uh, when did you know you wanted to go into the sports industry? So I always um, played sports my whole life. I played basketball and soccer growing up and was very passionate about that. Um, the typical athlete, if you will, um, of the family and then <laughs> basically, you know, just very active and always playing sports. So that was my passion. I didn't know necessarily I'd have the opportunity to couple that um, from an educational standpoint and potentially, you know, make a career of this thing. Um, at the time at Central, there was no sport management major. Um, so the College of Business made the most sense because I was interested in sales and marketing. Yeah, that makes sense. We've heard that from a couple of our guests now. Um, I think I was lucky. The program must have been kind of just starting when I got into it. But um, I'm always interested to see how people land their first positions. And um, what we've seen over the, you know, the last season and a half of this podcast is people find their first position in so many different ways. So what was your path uh, to the Pistons? Yeah, so I did an internship for credit with the Chicago Sky, which is the WNBA team that just launched in Chicago. Um, I found that internship on Teamwork Online and needed okay. the 480 unpaid credit hours through the College of Business at Central, you know, to complete my um, degree. So, yeah, I, my, my first internship was Chicago. I drove down with my mom and had a 500 square foot apartment in Lincoln Park and did that unpaid. Um, and that kind of led me to getting a little bit of experience. And um, there was no job openings at the time when my internship was coming to an end. So um, I actually just said, what can I do? I'm really enjoying sports. I want to stay in it. 
Um, so I got a couple of reference letters and then was just seeing what might be open back home in Michigan. Um, my family was all still there. So I ended up actually cold calling um, the Detroit Pistons and, um, you know, it took me a couple of tries to say the least, but eventually did get through to a, a director of ticket sales there who heard me out and it must have been really good timing because someone had just quit, I think, that week. And I think it was one of her direct reports and she was probably feeling pressure to already backfill and start that hiring process. So um, timing was key. And I think just being available at the time, um, I had moved back home, was living in Milford, Michigan. That's where I grew up. So 45 minute ride on um, the freeway to get to the Palace of Auburn Hills and interviewed and then just got my first shot from there. That's very cool. I love um, hearing the story of the people that just kind of did a cold call or a letter to someone in the organization and ended up with a job, which is, you know, I, I think a very cool way to get started and, and definitely shows your ambition and willingness to, you know, not just go through the traditional methods of applying online and kind of going outside that box. I think that's important. Yeah, and I would say the equal to that nowadays is just LinkedIn and Messenger yeah. on LinkedIn. I mean, if you're someone in college and you don't know where to start or, you know, reach out and expand your network because that goes to everyone's mobile phone now, you know, it's going to their iPhone and they're probably going to get a notification. Um, most people have LinkedIn as that app. So it's pretty interesting. Now there's a lot of avenues to reach out to people. Yeah, it makes it really easy. I know my current job that I'm in now, um, I connected with someone on LinkedIn who was in the position. Um, I was recently laid off and I think a day or two after I connected with him, he posted he was leaving and they're looking to fill his position. Do you know anybody? Uh, yeah. I reached out to him and he connected me with HR. So, um, and I didn't know him at all. I just, you know, it was a random LinkedIn connection. So it's funny how things work out like that. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great that you did, you know, you took the initiative. Sometimes that's all it takes. And of course, and especially in sales, we're going to hear no, or you're just not going to get a response however many times, but um, eventually you'll find someone who'll give you a shot. For sure. So um, after a couple of years with the Pistons, you moved on to work for the Indiana Fever, um, also in the WNBA. So what challenges did you face going from selling for an NBA team to the WNBA? What differences were there between the two markets? Yeah, so when I was at the Pistons, I did sell for the Detroit Shock at the time um, as well. So I did get some experience there and some really great training. Um, my mentor at the time right now is still in the W with the team, the Minnesota Lynx. So um, cool. yeah, I think there's many challenges getting the opportunity to move to Indiana. Um, I loved it because it was still a multi-sport property franchise. So you had the Indiana Pacers, Indiana Fever, and then Bankers Life Fieldhouse concerts and events. So that was kind of my comfort zone is being with an organization that had a lot going on. Um, of course, there was a lot of challenges um, selling for the women's product and women's team. Um, you know, hopefully we're breaking those stereotypes down little by little. Uh, yeah. My favorite, my favorite story is having someone tell me they have no interest um, in attending, um, either making a very inappropriate comment, sexist comment about how it's not going to be any fun or any good. They're not as good as the men. And then getting them courtside seats for them, their family. Um, and they would come and then after the game, they'd be like, oh my God, that was amazing. That was awesome. I was wrong. I was so entertained. Um, and their family had fun. So 
um, you know, there, there definitely was challenges that came with it, but there was a lot of opportunity as well, um, specifically in the WNBA that it's that summer sport. So, you know, you have an opportunity to take advantage of what is going on in summer, um, you know, people being out of school, families being available to do things, um, summer day camps being in session, one of the best programs in the WNBA is the, those kids days, you know, where you're bringing 13,000 people in off group tickets uh, to enjoy the game. So really seeing the opportunity uh, more so than the challenges and having thick skin and some grit to get through um, all those comments. But eventually it, it's so much easier than when you do go onto something else and um, you may not hear the same objections, right? And sales are always gonna have those, but it's really good experience and, and groundwork um, to make you be able to battle through those things. Yeah, for sure. I, I remember um, I remember when the WNBA launched and the shock, I think, won one of the first championships, I maybe in year two or three. Um, and, and my dad and I actually went to the that game when the shock won the championship. And I, my dad was one of those people grumbling about, you know, this is not going to be fun. It's a slower game. Like there's no dunking, there's no action. And I remember yeah. my, my dad actually left the game. Like that was pretty fun. Like I would go back and, you know, go to another game. So um, I definitely, you know, those stereotypes are sometimes tough to break, but um, I think that's a cool way that you put it to kind of spin it around on them and give them a great experience. And then, you know, that's a great testimonial to, you know, their friends who might have the same views. Yeah, I mean, basketball is basketball. And, you know, if, if you're a fan of the game, hopefully you can enjoy it and, and find something in it that, that you really like. Yeah, for sure. So um, in your next role um, after the Indiana Fever, you moved out west to Reno. Um, you took a position with a minor league baseball team and also a, a brand new soccer team in the USL. Um, so how was it being a part of a new brand um, on the soccer side? and really be able to build something from the ground up from scratch. Yeah, so making the move out west was really fun. I'm enjoying it still in Reno now um, for the listeners and the city itself is amazing um, and surrounded by so many really cool things. Um, the move out here and, you know, um, at the time the Reno Aces AAA affiliate of the Arizona Diamondbacks, the sales team was um, up and going, I would say it was robust at the time, been here many years in the market and had our fan base obviously continue to build, but um, the processes and procedures were kind of up and going. For soccer, um, launching something from the start makes you so passionate about it. You know, it's just fun. Yeah. You're getting to be part of all the details, um, having to expand your skill set and mind, mindset. You know, you're not just worried about how do I sell season tickets or how do we sell group tickets? Um, it's going into what are our colors? What is our crest? How are we gonna start a supporter section? Um, and really building the brand out from kind of the ground up. So that's super fun uh, to be a part of for those who are listening and working in sports. If you've had the chance to do that, um, you know, I'm sure you're with me and there's so many pluses. pluses there's so many great things, but also very extreme challenges in that, you know, in building a brand from, from scratch and having to get the word out about the team um, and what you kind of stand for and when you're playing and all those things. Yeah, we, we got our first um, USL team in San Diego here last year. 
Um, and they, they were able to play one game before the pandemic. And I went to it, but I also went to all the, um, the events leading up to that when they unveiled the crest and the jersey, right. and the jersey sponsor. And um, I think that following that soccer teams have is so unique and it's different than I think any other sport in America um, where you have right. very loyal people to the team. And sometimes they don't even really know the players or, or much about it. They're just very dedicated to that team. Um, so I think it's a really cool kind of cultural thing of, of soccer fans. Um, you know, I love that, uh, the passion. Yeah. San Diego Royal did a great job of launching in the marketplace and um, really kind of creating that FOMO, you know, fear of missing out. You want to be involved. You want to go to the launch events, you know, it's fun. It's cool. Um, and then from there, it'll bleed over to attendance and, and actually going to the matches. So yeah, um, you'll definitely probably be enjoying yourself once we're back and going again. Totally. I, I was on a webinar with their um, president and Landon Donovan um, just this week, and I'm excited about their future plans. And, and hopefully we can have fans in the stands at some point this season. Um, but yeah, it'll be fun. I, I'm, they're great people, and I'm, I'm excited to see what they're going to do. Um, so in, um, when you moved to Reno, you're, you're working both for, you know, a minor league baseball team and a soccer team at the same time. Uh, the baseball grind alone is, is such a grind for those people that have never done it. So the seasons overlap, I guess my question to you is how do you manage your time between both? Um, and was that a bit of an adjustment to, I'd assume being a game almost every night, um, between the two teams? Yeah, so we had 90 events spread out over really six months um, here at Greater Nevada Field. So, you know, basically every weekend there was some type of game going on or match going on. So, yes, it was a lot. Um, I think for those either going into sports or already in sports, you kind of know the lifestyle you're signing up for, but you never know until you switch and work in baseball. Yeah. You know, it's one thing to say, but to your point, it is a lot. Um, it's the pace of kind of the game and, you know, you have six in a row. They're not spread out, you know. Um, so um, it's going to be interesting. We've had 10 months off. So getting back into, we're, we're saying we're very um, rusty. We got to get back into season shape just all around here as we get getting ready to hopefully play in April. Um, 2021. But yeah, it was challenging. I think from a staffing standpoint, um, that's really, you know, you look to your left, look to your right, who are you working with? Um, what are their core values? What do they believe in? Um, you know, I think for me, I know I want to always put my family first um, and make sure that that's my number one priority. But, you know, yeah, there's going to be 4th of July, you know, a lot of people are up at Lake Tahoe and doing things and we're here hosting fans. Um, I wouldn't change it. Um, but I think, you know, you want to work with people that uh, can be flexible and cover for one another if needed. Um, but we got through it and I think it's going to be interesting to see as we go into the Reno Aces season, it's spread out April through September for 70 games. So it's about two homestands a month. Um, and we got to get in shape to prepare for that and be ready to, to execute that. I think this remote work setting has been amazing, especially for those probably working in sports because it's allowed you to slow down and, you know, not be in the office from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Um, on a game day, you know. And so I think it's going to change the industry personally. I think you're going to see people coming in later 
um, when they do have to work that those night games. I think that's acceptable um, now. So, yeah, totally. I think that's very fair. And I think you have to have work-life balance. And I think so many of the sports industry, you know, just burn out after a year or two, they're so passionate, but yeah, uh, you know, you have enough of those six game homestands when you're working from 8am till midnight, you know, it's, it's, and you, your friends are out on Lake Tahoe, you know, it, it can get to you. Um, so I think that work-life balance is definitely important to, you know, avoid burning out and still enjoy, you know, the job and, and really be passionate about it. I think it's, it's really important. Yeah. I don't think anyone has the perfect answer, but I think you just want to work with people who can adapt and, and see the future and where we're heading in the sports industry, because, you know, the, the times of paying someone minimum wage and asking them to work that long, you know, it was like, oh, you're lucky to be in the industry. Yeah. Well, the generations have changed. People have changed, you know, um, what they're going to want to do on the weekends varies. And, the, and most people right now, specifically after the pandemic, really like the flexibility. You know, they want to be able, if I want to go into the office, I can, but I also can work from home. For sure. Completely agree. So um, in the midst of 2020 and all the craziness of last year, um, Major League Baseball also made a major decision to do restructuring to its minor league footprint. Um, they cut 160 teams down to 120. Um, it was a somewhat controversial decision that a lot of people had very strong opinions on both ways. Um, and a lot of teams changed affiliations too. I know um, Tyler, who is the GM of the Lansing Lugnuts and other Chippewa, they changed affiliations. Um, so the, the Reno Aces luckily stayed with the Diamondbacks. But can you walk us through that process and, and how was that for you and, and what changes might you see in your job because of all that restructuring in minor league baseball? Yeah, so I think um, it was, for me personally, there was something just out of my control, right? Um, so we had to, there was a lot of waiting, waiting to see what would shake out with, with this deal and when would it get done and what does it mean for the future? Um, luckily for for us from our ownership group um, all the way down to our leadership team here, I was confident that um, we've, we're in good standings, we've done things the right way. So we, I was never in fear of our team personally, um, you know, getting cut and or the affiliation again, out of our control. We, we had hoped that we'd done everything we could with the Diamondbacks, but we were confident that we probably would continue on with that. Um, but the uncertainty of just when would the season start, you know, we just got our schedule after the uh, PDL agreement was done. Um, it was February 10th. So we're at the end of February now, um, you know, getting the schedule late when normally it comes out in July. I think that was maybe the biggest impact for the staff, just the waiting game. Um, but now we have it um, and, you know, hopefully we'll continue to be able to map out and plan our summer and season. Um, and we're very lucky to have a, a good partnership with the Diamondbacks um, and be just in good standings. And we wanna be one of the forefront teams that's willing to work with MLB and MILB um, as they continue the partnership and build this thing out. I think looking at all the different leagues, there's a lot of very progressive leagues in the sports industry. I'd say the NBA is probably the most MLS you know, right there. Yeah. Um, and I think baseball had a ways to go. So hopefully, you know, we can continue to push the envelope forward a little bit um, and 
you know, bottom line, get people engaged, interested in our teams and attending our games. Got it. Now, how does that schedule look for this year? Are you selling tickets? Are you expecting fans? How, how does, you know, COVID protocols and how are you um, reacting to all of that? Yeah, so we luckily put a good play in um, in March. Last March, we really reached out to all of our sponsorships and season ticket holders and groups, group buyers, and we asked them to roll their money over from the 2020 season, which didn't occur on to 2021. So essentially right now we have our core customer base with money sitting on their account. Um, and the next step will be logistically how we get them to sell that in now that we have the schedule. So for us, we're thinking of going month to month. Um, so for example, in April, April 8th right now is scheduled for opening day. Um, probably two weeks prior, we'd reach out to the season members, letting them know now's your time to opt in and let them pick what games they want to attend. Um, so that's kind of going to be our strategy. Um, we're going to do all we can. At the same point right now in Nevada, we are at 20% capacity, which is about 1,400 seats um, for us. So we'll burn through those just with season ticket holders. Um, there's not gonna be any other capacity. So the interesting thing about this whole process is the capacity could go up and will go up to reevaluate it again on May 1. So it's just gonna be adjusting on the fly and being able to pivot and be flexible any plans that you were used to in this industry are kind of out the window. Um, so it's making a lot of people uncomfortable um, because you're just going to have to be flexible, including myself. I've been challenged, you know, of just saying I can only control what we can control. We can make the best plan in the world. But at the end of the day, we just, there's a lot of unknowns. Yeah. I'm, I'm luckily um, not in the professional or college sports space, but I feel for all those who are, because I can't imagine having, you know, plans A, B, C, D, E right now based on yep. capacities and, and things outside of your control, whether it's, uh, you know, governor making a, a different protocol change or it's, um, you know, COVID cases spiking. It's, it's got to be hard to adjust on the fly like that. So I, I definitely commend all of you that are, are doing that. Yeah, I think sports and live concerts will be the last to return. Yeah. You know, we've had the biggest impact, I think, um, and hospitality in general, right? Like hotels, casinos. Yeah. But I think in terms of really returning to full stadiums and full concerts, you know, it's going to be probably a minute, but imagine how cool it's going to be when it's back. Like I am craving going to the concert and I can't wait to be able to do that again. For sure. I, I just love all the job postings right now too. I see so many like sports teams hiring and venues hiring and I don't know, it gives me a bit of hope that, you know, we, we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and that we're getting through this because I remember a couple times last year, I was definitely very, um, I don't know, exasperated with how long we've been in this and just the yeah. uncertainty for so long. So I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, things will only get better from here, which will be great for everybody. Yeah, Nate, that's a really good point. Um, there were so many, you know, furloughs and layoffs yeah. just across the board and it was salary cuts, hiring freezes just across the board in the sports industry. But I do feel it turning the other way where things are picking back up, um, stay in contact with a lot of really good people. Some still out of a job, but um, I think they, you know, they'll, they'll make a decision of should I apply and get back in, you know, um, or should I take another direction with my life, which 
the pandemic's given a lot of a time for people to kind of decide that, you know, so it, that's the other thing, the talent level left right now within the industry is very high and locked yeah. in because it is so competitive right now, you know. For sure. Um, you're exactly right. So um, just kind of finishing off this episode, uh, we like to ask everyone the same question. So looking back over your career, um, what advice would you give to someone just starting out trying to get into the sports industry or um, maybe someone that's uh, left for another job and, and you know, eyeing a, a return? What, what would you tell them? I think um, if you can be a really good storyteller, that's going to get you in and get someone listening. So really take a look at, you know, what is one to two stories you can create and kind of shape around your, your career or life events that have occurred. Um, and the more you can share, the better. And like, like we talked about earlier in the podcast, you know, it's just getting that one chance with someone who's going to take your letter message you back and once that conversation set up it's it's then on you to be able to craft that story um, and use some of your past experiences or internships um, things you were involved with to really you know paint the best picture you can um, and hopefully there's many great stories from central michigan university that you can include in that yeah I'm, I'm hearing some of them through these podcasts too of of you know, things I, I don't remember or things that, you know, you know, there's always yeah. good stories The the central 2000s Facebook group. Are you in that? No, I need to join it. You should join it. Um, you know, I, I kind of wrote off Facebook a while ago because there just wasn't much on it for me, but the 2000s group, it's graduation, you know, from 2000 to 2010. Um, it's, it's pretty epic, which is great stories and, and people posting like funny stuff, nothing political at all. It's just very, yeah central memories which are the best so that's awesome yeah a lot of time in grand hall i lived in the towers thinking of the malt shop O'Kelly's. god like preparing for this podcast and just listening to a few others i'm like some people were saying some things that took me back so yeah for sure so i, I love the community that chippewas have and there are chippewas everywhere you know i was doing a site visit the other day at the hotel del coronado here oh, in nice. san diego which is one of our fanciest hotels very famous a lot of history and the director of sales there is the Chippewa, which I didn't know. Um, so there's, there's Chippewas everywhere and everyone has that same community and sense of, you know, uh, just joy when they think back to Mount Pleasant and our time there. So um, thank you so much for your time today. Um, it was great um, meeting each other and, and just learning a little bit more about your career and, and how you've managed to, you know, go to a couple different organizations and succeed and be able to prepare you know, for, for the unknown, uh, with this upcoming season, it's, it's been, uh, exciting to, to hear. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on and, um, we'll stay in touch and continue to listen to your podcast. Thank you. Fire up chips. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please do us a favor and like rate, follow, and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening in on. And we'll see you next week.